Excellent. An ale for me. And for my officers. In fact, ales for everyone. Turn backward. With Rick and Rick and Will and Zemma. Oh, yes. <clears throat> Hello, welcome back to Ten Backwards, a UK-based Star Trek discussion podcast. We are continuing our previously started discussion on the kids in Star Trek. That's um, we just picked some episodes. Uh, I'm Rick Everson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Rick Palmer, hello, Will Turland, hello, and Gemma Turland, hello. So we've been discussing some episodes that feature the crew of various Star Trek series. In- encountering children and having some all sorts of wacky shenanigans so hopefully you've listened to our previous episode and we're continuing right on from there well what is our next episode the abandoned from deep space Nine. Oh, okay um i ha- i'm gonna be honest i i haven't watched this uh-huh. but i will I'll, I'll try and contribute <laughs> so I, I find the abandoned to be kind of a nature versus nurture in terms of mm. raising oh. children very much, isn't it? Um, mm. I say nature. It, the Gemini yeah. are artificially engineered to have a certain predilection or certain predilections. Um, but despite that, it's kind of like a what what your genetics say you are versus what we are trying to give you in raising I, you. I it's, suppose is the theme of this. I think. So, so I guess the the, yeah. the gist of this episode. Um, if you haven't watched it, Rick, Rick. <laughs> it, the um, Quark has come across some salvage uh, that he's that he's bought, and in amongst that salvage is a, a baby, and which is which is a surprise. Uh, and so, and um, they discover that the baby is aging quite rapidly. And it's such a surprise! The baby jumps up and goes, "Surprise, motherfuckers!" <laughs> That doesn't happen. It should have happened. I know, but we have to get our catchphrase in this episode. <laughs> we do, we do. Um, and after a while, as the baby develops into a into a child, it becomes apparent that this is a, a Jem'Hadar. Uh, and yeah, and as the episode goes on, it, it, it seems that the Jem'Hadar are very much sort of genetically programmed i suppose to be uh super angry soldiers mm. and to be um uh reliant on that drug ketrosol white yeah um, they also have a program deference to uh changelings yes yeah uh, and so the the child character the Jemadar character takes a uh, a liking to um, odo yeah. So Odo sort of becomes a bit of a father figure. Or tries to become mm. a father yeah. figure. Odo very quickly latches on to the opportunity to to try and guide this child to a better or what he perceives to be a better life than the one he's kind of destined for. Um which is kind of an interesting thing for Odo, because Odo's not normally one to take on additional personal relationships if he can help it. But um yeah, it's 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 almost a little bit out of character for Odo. Even, but 
But it's explained quite nicely, though, isn't it? Yeah, yes. and I felt that Odo, he felt like he had some responsibility mm-hmm. for this show. And also Odo saw a sort of a mirrored situation in his own yes, um, very much so. upbringing yeah. in, in this child. And they're, they're both from the Gamma Quadrant, they're both... He doesn't want the child to become um, a scientific experiment. Yes, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, very much. There will be a complete team of xenobiologists and exopsychologists waiting for him. So they're going to study him like a laboratory specimen. Well, he'll be very well treated. So he'll be a well-treated specimen. And also he wants to make reparations is what he perceives as his, his own species' um, terrible actions. Yeah. To, yeah, basically save this child from his own people in a way and from what what his people have done to it yeah you know however the child grows up yeah it doesn't believing differently it basically doesn't work out no uh which i I, this is something i thought was really interesting about the episode because it was it was a very uh non- Star Trekky ending, mm. which which is something DS Nine did a lot. I think it would take your sub, your expectations and subvert them. Yeah, when you think the episode is going is that Odo, uh, you know, they they have trouble with um, with a Jemadar child because because he's he's aggressive and and violent and he's leaning towards his nature as a as a Jemadar. Mm. But you kind of think, well, but but Odo's going to show him. Um, you know, the the uh, about teach him about humanity and and, and choice. Yes, yeah, yeah, and that yeah. doesn't work. But it, that is think... interesting, though, because we 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 as the viewer and him at Odo assume it doesn't work because the Jem Hadar chooses differently. Mm. So what I think... I, it's also slightly about um, as a parent, you try to impress your ideals on your child but that child has its own ideas and that child yeah. will it, mm. i mean nature and nurture as you said yeah that they they may not think the same as you but that doesn't necessarily mean they're wrong mm. it just means they're different yeah yeah i felt this i felt this episode did a really good job of of i i, I mean i remember watching this episode and I, I did have that kind of surprise moment when you realise it's a Gem Hadar. I mean, yeah, the first time I watched it, and and I, I think this, yeah, I think it does a really good job of. I, I think of all the children that they find at DS Nine, it's the, the the concept of a Gem Hadar child is is probably the most interesting one. Mm. Yeah, and the most tragic in a way, because it—I mean, it is—it is tragic that these are—they're sentient mm. creatures, yet they are so constrained by their programming. But then mm-hmm. again, later on in 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 other episodes, it is shown that they are capable of questioning, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. they they respect. Mm. There's a couple of episodes. Um, there's the episode where they have to team up with the Gem Hadar. Mm. Um, I can't remember what that one's called, but it's really good. Is it to the yeah. death? And then there's there's the episode where there's that episode where um, Worf and Martok, yeah, they're 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 trapped on that that kind of 
sort of concentration camp on an asteroid and they're fighting. Yeah. And, yeah. and the Jem'Hadar there, he respects them. Like he respects, he has like respect for them in terms mm. of their fighting ability. As warriors, you know? yeah. And as warriors, like, so he's able to kind of get, he's able to kind of get beyond his devotion to the founders. And, yeah. Mm. We also see like, early in series four a, fa- a Jemadar that isn't addicted to Ketrasel wine. Yes, and, and he tries to um, he tries to sort of spread that, doesn't he? Yeah. He tries to free other other yeah. Gemadar. Yeah, mm. but uh, like Will says, I find it really good in this one. Really interesting that in an, what you'd expect, certainly in the TNG era is that Odo's lessons would be taken to heart by the Jemadar. And although, obviously, he would still have to leave the station, probably because Starfleet Badmiral's going to experiment on him, he'd be like looking at Odo as he leaves, saying, I understand what you say about free will, and I'm going to go out and find my own way, a way beyond violence and, you know, to f- strike my own path. But no, he's just like, fuck your Federation values, I'm going to go to find the rest of the Jemadar and then we're going to kick some ass and like be violent and do some murders. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really, it's chilling that his, his final line is about how, because Cisco shows up mm-hmm. and Odo talks Cisco round and talks Cisco into letting the, the Jemadar guy go and mm-hmm. go back to the people. And the final sort of lines from, from this, this Jemadar character is that he's not grateful to Cisco. Like humans are weak mm. and, stupid and they all deserve to die and Cisco isn't his friend and fuck everyone <laughs> and death to all humans bye <laughs> he was afraid of me I could see the fear in his eyes Commander Cisco was trying to do what's best for you he was trying to help you he's not my friend he's my enemy and I now know that anyone who is not a Jemadar is my enemy that's, that's true. That's true to his. That's true to his character, though, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It and is, we, and the assumption is that he doesn't have free will because he chose something that we didn't want him to choose. Yeah, and there's something that I'm reminded of. Like this episode reminds me of uh, in Voyager when they first, when they kind of with Seven of Nine that that conversation that that Janeway has with Chakotay and he talks about the parable of the scorpion and the fox and he's like and it's great because it's the episode Scorpion I think (laughs) yes yeah I love I love that parable of like Mm. um the scorpion the scorpion asks the fox to cross help him cross the river and the fox is like well no because you're going to sting me and the scorpion's like and 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 Apologies to uh, to listeners who know this, but the, the scorpion's like, no, I, I won't, because if I sting you, then you'll drown, and I'll drown. And and this fox is like, well, yeah, okay, I guess so. This is like a bleak sequel to Zootropolis, I think. <laughs> um, and but but so so the scorpion gets on the fox's back, and and halfway across the river, the scorpion stings him, and as the poison filled his veins. The fox turned to the scorpion and said, why did you do that? Now you'll drown too. I couldn't help it, said the scorpion. It's my nature. And I love, I, I, I love that, that, whole, that, that whole scene in Voyager is brilliant. It, it sums up everything that's going on in a, in a very 
succinct way. And this episode is like that too. You you can't you can't expect someone to not give in to their nature as much as they might want to. That, but it's but it's understanding what nature is. I would say the problem mm. is Rick. That whole Voyager episode is essentially anti-Scorpion propaganda and ignores <laughs> the fucking good charity work done by Scorpions across the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm Scorpions have raised like two million pounds for the NHS. So I'm not anti anti Scorpion, but 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 I understand that. But I understand like, but it's like anything like. Like wasps, like I mean, I I I thoroughly dislike wasps for a long time, but wasps do a lot of good. They you know they take care of a lot of pests and all the all the things that all the things that you imagine as a sort of a blight on your existence are sort of performing a role. And I guess I'm not sure Star Trek was trying to say that, but <laughs> but, but I think I'm digressing. But but I, but take, I, no, but I, I do it. think, but I do think it's I do think that the episode DS Nine. Is ultimately about you can't you can't make a leopard change its spots. No. It is it is what it is, and yeah, which is a, which is a very which isn't a very Star Trek sentiment. It's a no. more sort of a real world, mm. uh, like a, like a like a harder reality sentiment. And I think I that, I, that's indicative of, of what DS Nine really yes, brought to the Star Trek. Yeah. So, I think you have to um, look at it in the fact that. It might not always work, but you still should always try to indoctrinate anyone into Federation propaganda. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, um, this episode is, again, it's about how uh, as much as you want to raise a child along your own kind of ha- how you want to, ultimately there is that element of of their nature. Of what they are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I find it I find it an interesting contrast in this episode that while Odo is trying to impress free will and choice upon a child who's very much a subject to his own genetic predispositions, Cisco is having has arranged a dinner with his son and his son's new girlfriend, who Cisco generally disapproves of and doesn't think his son should be dating a Dubbo girl, um, and finds new levels or, or new interests of his sons that he had no idea about, and by mm. the end of it, he's mm. actually fully approving of this late of this girlfriend, and he's gone from sort of having this reluctant. He's gone from this sort of I di- I slightly disapprove of my child's expression of his free will by dating this woman to actually this girl's great, and I'm so glad he's doing this. It's kind of oh, it's that, that, that felt more like along the lines of, of cliched. Disappearing parent. Yeah. <laughs> I just think when you lay against the contrast to to you've got one parent or one person assuming they're all a parent trying to ex- impose what well, I say impose, give a sense of free will and choice to one child who rejects it in nature of his in, in favor of his own program nature, to another parent who's having a realization that allowing his son more free will than he was really sort of trying to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think stereotypes exist because they're the path of least resistance. And to be fair, they have they have enough truth to them that you can kind of go with them. But ultimately, it's on you to to kind of book the 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 cliche. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and it, I thought it was a, this is another example of 
the episode subverting expectations i thought because it it felt like the way this this story could go is it's a sort of a comedy kind of b plot where um where there's an uncomfortable it's like a sitcom scenario yeah, yeah, isn't it where so, the yeah. the overbearing father invites the his son's new girlfriend over and they have a really uncomfortable dinner and it doesn't go like that it ends up being a a kind of like a like a slightly heartwarming story Mm. where the where the both father and son kind of learn a bit about each other and particularly Cisco learns things about his son that he didn't know about and he he takes a step back and sees his son as a you know as a young man man. and And I think I think yeah, that was explored it. also with the the Jem Hadar story. The 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 idea that as your child grows, it yeah. becomes a bit of a stranger to you because you 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 mm. always I'm the because I'm the adult. You're not the adult. <laughs> I'm the adult. And... <laughs> you always you're always going to see a child, but that child is yeah. is mm. is not always going to be that child and they're going to go out and they're going to live a life and they're going to do things that you you're never going to know about and there, there's going to be an element of whether yeah of that that of removed from you mm. and i think both yeah of yeah it, it's and, it's yeah i i think as a and I'm, I'm completely spitballing but as a parent i suppose you're you you have to be comfortable with your your child doing 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 the things that you perhaps haven't done yourself and like it's like it and, and then becoming an adult as well like it's like it it's well, easier for you to be you did do yourself that's the things you got to get comfortable with <laughs> yeah and it's I, I imagine that the the dynamic of them as a child is easier to I mean I don't know but it's easier for for you to kind of have that dynamic with them as as younger than you than mm. your same age yeah. and doing the things that you you want to, you've done yourself. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we've had quite a sensible discussion about this episode. I don't know. I feel like it's worth noting that there's there's um, there's a bit of a sleazy bit in this episode where. Um, uh, where O'Brien gets wind that that Jake has hooked oh, up with a because yeah. uh, because uh, like Jake's like sixteen I think yeah. and he's hooked up with a Davo girl who's in her twenties yeah and, and O'Brien's like good one Jake sixteen years old and dating a Davo girl Godspeed Jake yeah high five yeah yeah it's like. Steady on, O'Brien. Get, how... get back to fixing that replicator. <laughs> how far? Yeah, considering that... he was so. Um... Mm. Sorry, Gemma. I was just wondering how far that relationship has gone. I if he's sixteen and she's in her twenties, I mean, all right, she's like twenty, twenty-one, but still, it's in, yeah. Well, it's in uncomfortable a, in America. Is that illegal? I think it's not illegal in this country. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, sixteen is. Legal. Well, she's like an a, a alien, and also Bajor. Bajor exactly. might kind of go around its star slower. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know they have a twenty-six hour day on Bajor, so it's, uh, it's right. It's, so it's, it's, it's faster. Own, I, I, that's just its own spin. It takes yeah, that's its yeah. So it's yeah, just it's slightly bigger than Earth, but. In terms of its position in the sun, I have no idea. 
Um, I mean, I like I, their relationship at least progressed. This is the thing that him pick out new onesies. To be fair, this is the thing that Star Trek kind of allows us to discuss. Is that I mean, how would you feel about your 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 child dating a, a non humanoid, for example, like um, uh, you know, like a oh, what are those guys? Oh, this is terrible. Who are those guys that are like insects? Um, the the Tholians, sorry, like the other hot. I met a Tholian, and well, are you are you ready to date? Are you are you ready to date a Tholian? Or uh, I'll be made concerned that you know? Tholians have a body temperature of over two hundred degrees Celsius. Jeez, that's why they're so they're so hot. <laughs> I think I did that joke on Twitter the other day. Someone said, "Who's the hottest lady in Star Trek?" And I said, Woof, "The Tholian commander from the Tholian web, two hundred and two degrees." I mean, I, I admire. I mean, so cool. <laughs> I, no, no, hot. That's the thing. But that's it. But this is interesting. I mean, I mean, do you think that as humanity, if if humanity went out into the into space and encountered non-humanoid species, do you think sexuality would change? Like, do you think that people would be able to kind of fall in love with a like a Zindi insectoid or a reptilian? I, I can guarantee if we encountered alien life, there would be a number of, hum- of humans who oh, yeah. try and have sex with it, yeah. Whether they'd want to... Whether they want I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm not, but I, I mean, like the... I mean the blue the blue aliens in Avatar. I'm absolutely down with like that's <laughs> like that, they're they're sexy, you know. Like, but they're humanoid. So yeah. I mean, I have to admit, like I'm, I I'm not. I'm not. I don't think I'm ready for that. I don't. And it's my it's it's my prejudice. But I, I I'm I, sure I, I'm ready for the non-humanoid sexual yeah. relation. I, I think, think insectoids. I don't. I don't know if I could get with. Well, with you would have to. No one would make you do it. <laughs> would be happy for other people to do. I think if everybody's happy, if everybody's consenting. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, if you if you're into if you're into insectoids, that's cool. Like I, I'm, I'm just. I'm not, I don't want to seem like I'm prejudiced by not being into them. <laughs> don't the females eat the males after procreation? Exactly. That's I would worry about. I'm not in. I'm not into that. <laughs> no. But to be fair, John, oh, you don't have to worry about that. And unless you unless you fell for a male insectoid and then you felt obliged to eat him afterwards and you weren't yeah. really you're like, oh, man, do I need some sweet chili sauce or what? <laughs> Cover him in also, I'm a vegetarian. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so that would, yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah that's really tricky. Um <laughs> Although it'd be a good get out. I mean I I'm kind of like I think I think yeah. it'd be a split. There'd be a lot of the population more than willing to explore sexual relations with alien life. There'd be a lot. I think humanity kind of would still have a significant or and vocally significant amount who would be like, "This is the worst thing ever." But you know, we still have those vocally significant group that guarantee um, homosexual activity. So it's like, yeah, anything that's different, basically. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Species would be able to is if it is it something inherent in in humans that we are capable of being attracted to something so different to us? Would other species 
have that capability. Yeah, they, they might not want to have sex with us. No, no one has to me. You know, it's weird, but like a jellyfish, like a jellyfish, that that might be okay because it's because the jellyfish seems kind of serene, like it will just kind of quite wrap serene, itself right? around you. They are so a, a jellyfish, yeah. I'd be okay with. But well, that of course, it's, it's explored in the uh, uh, thingy, hasn't it? Oh, in the in, in the, the Orville. Orville, yes, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say in one of Rick's um, in one of Rick's. <laughs> in, um, there might be something in the back catalogue about that. In, Massa, in 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 Mass Effect, there is a species of like jellyfish esque. Yes, alien. there are. And, kind of man of wolf and type I, I felt I always thought they were kind yeah. of serene. Yeah. So I'd be all right with jellyfish. It's I don't know. It's like there's a certain physicality with some, like an insectoid that, that just seems quite physical. Whereas a jellyfish that seems kind of gentle. <laughs> They're kind of pokey, aren't they? Insectoids, pokey. And yeah. <laughs> like pla- yeah, like, like they might yeah. put something inside you. Like I, oh, I'm not cool yeah. with that. Maybe. Yeah, they do a lot of piercing I... each other, don't they? I oh, I'm just wondering. Is that like if we should pills? talk about? Um, the next episode. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, we, we, we're, we're like we're now in twenty-one minutes in. Yeah, we've got <laughs> one. And I mean, this is a good discussion, but um, I think we should finish the episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough. But if the, yeah, if there are any um, jellyfish out there, yeah, just no, just reiterate, I'm cool with human <laughs> sexual exploration. If um, naughty, sexy Romulan Zatvash lady from Picard wants to. Yeah. Bob, What's the what's the next episode we're going to discuss? Um, Collective from Voyager is our final choice for the evening, Um, because this features not only children, Borg children from the Borg. Yes, but they're not Borg children who've been created by the Borg, are they? They they have been assimilated from. They have yes. Yes, and this is the debut of Echeb. Indeed. Poor, doomed Echeb. <laughs> he had a good run. He did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is kind of a good episode in terms of... Well, it's quite... It's, I like the opener. The um, Chakotay, Neelix, Kim, Paris are all like, playing poker on the Delta Flyer. They were just chilling, some guys hanging out, shooting the breeze. Um, and then suddenly, like, Paris is staring out and there's a ball cube coming towards them. And everyone's like, shit. Essentially a shuttle versus a ball cube. Yeah, that's that's great, actually. It was. I, Sorry, I, um, I thought someone was coming in, but it was just my dog. No. I'm, I was immediately... Hey, hello. Why, why didn't they have some kind of perimeter alert or something when the proximity. the massive flipping yeah proximity alert? There's a massive flipping ball cube that's just shown out out the window. The question and then yeah, and then they explained that. And I was like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll shut up. Then. Return fire. Why didn't our senses detect them? Looks like they used a dispersal field to mask their approach. <laughs> there is some really nice moments. This is one of those points where I sort of thought flip. They've really sort of pulled the stops out on the CGI these days for Star Trek because there's some nice shots of the Delta Fire flying across the surface of the Borg Cube. Mm. Look really nice. Cool. There's a lovely one of <clears throat> later on when it's being held inside the Borg Cube, and they just 
oh, they don't pull out far enough for me. I want them to pull out really yeah. far so you can see all the other ships. You wanted in more there. Starship porn. I did. Yeah. You wanted a, like a, a, a motion picture instance. style long, <laughs> a two minute panel. Guys, this is this is really fruity. This is very fruity talk. <laughs> long, long pullouts and oh my god. Uh, it's Friday night. Oh, oh no! no. <laughs> yeah, but it, it does. I, I, I did find myself thinking, uh, it, wow. The I guess the Voyager shuttles are really tough. If a Borg cube can fire many shots at them and it's still not blown up. Jeez, like how mm. how weak is that cube, or how tough is the Delta Flyer? But I guess the cube it's not at full strength, is nope. it? It's um, and it's undermanned. Yeah, yeah so they do explain it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so the the crew of the Delta Flyer get get taken on board. All, all this is pretty fast paced mm. and kind of snapped through at the beginning of the episode, which is pretty exciting actually. Mm. And then we get the revelation that there are most of the drones on the Borg cube are dead. Are they? They've all, caught all some of kind them. of virus. Yes, there's another virus. It's episode. another. It's another virus outbreak yeah. episode, effectively. That only 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 affects cybernetic species, which yeah, I don't know about that. So it's a computer yeah. virus. Well. Hmm. <laughs> If, yeah. if, if all the Borg had got McAfee updated, <laughs> they could have they could have had a, a video of um, like a meme of Kirk explaining the concept of love, mm. and that would have, that would have made the smoke come out of their all their ears. This is why we don't see the Borg till next generation. The, the Borg didn't even bother till after Kirk was out of the way. <laughs> he would have just destroyed them by talking. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yes, and we're we're introduced to the um, the baby borg, borgs. yeah, borg the baby children. borgs, the borg hmm. children, uh, of which there and are one five baby borg. Yes, yeah, and there is a, an actual baby borg as well, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are five. There's one that's that seems to be kind of in charge. Yeah, as well. But yeah, so the so yeah, we get introduced to the borg children. Yeah, and. Um, kind of uh, unusually for a Star Trek episode, um, uh, there are long-lasting consequences for this mm. um, episode because the, the, it seems like a standalone episode. But the the Borg children all join the um, Voyager crew in the end. Yeah, well, I don't think join the crew exactly. Apart, yeah. apart from the, five of them, it's like a jerk. There's yeah. like a jerk leader, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one they can't yeah, who's, put around, basically. There's Joker Five, and then there's the others, which they keep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is like this is a good episode for Seven. I think. Mm. I mean, logically, they send Seven over to the Borg Cube. Although, as you pointed out, Janeway doesn't consider like how hard that might be for her. Yeah, like how psychologically, that might be for her. Uh, you know, also maybe she do, wouldn't want to come back. She, mm. I don't know, she's still in that. This is a reason why she drinks by the time we get to stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, reasonably, you should have sent over the member of your crew who is a mother. So Ensign Wildman should have gone over. Yeah, well, that's not, but that's not Janeway's style, is it? Like, Janeway's kind of a 
I would say I would say Janeway is the closest that we have to Kirk. She is a badass. Yeah. And yeah. the witch. I, I, I think I think Janeway's great. I I do. Yeah. I I think Janeway kind of has a she'll she she'll go with an idea and like she's not afraid to to kind of think outside the box and and just see what happens. There's and no you're in the Delta, you're in the Delta Quadrant, so who's going to complain if it goes wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. well, there's, there's, a, there's some good Janeway stuff in this episode where mm. the, the Doctor has uncovered a because uh, this this computer virus. It's not um, a computer virus. It is a vi- a biological virus because okay. they have it in a tube. It's a pathogen. <laughs> good point. It's a pathogen. Isn't pathogen. It? Yeah. And um, the Doctor is talking about the. Uh, I can't remember what, exactly what happens, but he talks about like that how awful it would be if they, because uh, Jane was considering using this thing as a weapon, yeah. and he mm. kind of talks about how it would affect the Borg children. He hands the her the Borg baby. That's yeah, look what at he the does. Yeah, he, baby. He guilt and she's it. and she's cooing over it. You know, she's yeah. she likes the Borg baby, and then he and then he brings out the pathogen and says, "Now do you want me to release the pathogen?" She's yeah. like, "Yeah, yep. well, if we have to, yeah." Start working with Tuvok on a way to deploy the virus. Captain, you don't seriously plan to use it. If I have to. Let's just hope your brothers and sisters don't force my hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a great badass cold yeah. Janeway moment where she's, yeah, she's holding a baby who had been killed by this pathogen. She's still like, yeah, of course, we, we, we'll use this as a weapon if we have to, because... Yeah. Um, it means saving our crew that's what we'll do yeah <laughs> yeah but you know it seems like a that that's but a, it's a not a realistic choice yeah. that captain might have to make yeah but she doesn't want to do it she find you know yeah she, that she wants is to her find final another way. solution yeah mm. it's Which, just it's just it's not a decision that we're allowed to explore very much is it like it's no uh, no i guess like, home like like Voyager getting home is the drive of that series, and completely understandably. But yeah, it, it, there are there are points in Voyager where it would have been great to have that argument and and that and that drive the series rather than just getting home. But yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting because um, although as we, as we already said, four of the Borg children remain on the ship. The baby's never mentioned again. No, 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 and I, and there were only two. I thought there were only two. There's only Echeb and the younger girl who kind of have dialogue. Mm. Is, that, is it Mizati? Mizati, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There are kind of two Borg twin twins, boys yeah. who mm. don't seem to have any dialogue. No, uh, I guess they, they kind of become forgotten a little bit. I think. Yeah. Mazzati does have some good moments, although she eventually kind of just then leaves off screen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ashes, ashes to ashes. She she plays a. She's a brilliant in that. She yeah. receives um, but Lindsay Ballard's initial transmission, and she's she. Oh yeah, she has a really good moment with that. Yeah, um, I love that, I love that episode. Mm. Yeah, really Ashes to Ashes is an amazing episode. Yeah. Um, although Brandon Braga was apparently asked later what happened to the baby. And he says, um, the baby has returned to its people, which you did not see depicted in an episode. We considered showing it on screen, but decided it would be best to focus on the remaining Borg kids for the great story material. 
Just kind of right. question. They could at least have referenced it in dialogue at some point, just to say, "Oh yeah, we got we managed to get the baby back to its people." What he really means is, "Baby got back, <laughs> baby got back." <laughs> I mean, what? what oh thing? my God! Look at that book. <laughs> baby got back. <laughs> I like Borg, but Sorry. and I cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't encourage him, Rick. <laughs> Wait, where's don't Rick? En- don't encourage each other. <laughs> Neither Rick encourage any other Rick. <laughs> Do not defy the will of the Council of Ricks. But that's what I feel like. That's what Nicki Minaj's song might have been about. Like you know, like oh, yeah. thinking about it. You know? <laughs> I bet it wasn't about. <laughs> I'm 40. I don't know what a Nicki Minaj is. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so I, I don't think the, the Borg children... I don't know if they get a whole lot of great story content after mm. this episode, really. Except for Echeb. I think Echeb gets some good stuff, doesn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, he. I think he peaks maybe in the episode where he gives up his... Um, gives up a key component to to Seven... And I do enjoy that that was referenced back in Picard because um, when he's being torn apart for bits, um, it's asked, where's your, um, I can't remember what it's called now. Cortical node. Cortical node, yeah. And then Seven bursts in firing phases and she's got it. So if you know that bit, that's a lovely little callback. Yeah. um, Oh, and he's, he's quite good in that episode with Q's son. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And as, as we sort of state, Mazzati has a nice, a couple of nice moments. I think the Borg kids have a good moment in the haunting of Deck Twelve, actually, when um, Neelix is telling the ghost story. Yeah, they're just a bit like they don't buy into the kind of the the ambience that mm. Neelix is establishing. Like when you're a storyteller, you need to kind of build a build a yeah, build yeah. build that kind of ambience. They're they're very much, for, especially for a ghost story, don't you? They're a bit of a buzzkill in that scene, aren't they? And like, oh, poor yeah. ghosts don't oh, exist, but they do. It's just each every. <laughs> he's he's like the nitpicky Star Trek fan who's trying to pick holes in all of Neelix's story. Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the guy. Well, actually, that kind of um, that kind of energy doesn't work that way. Neelix is like, fuck off! Tell I'd let me tell my story, Dick. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I like this episode because it is a chance for Seven to experience her own. Like it's it's giving Seven the chance to experience her own emancipation, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, like she is a represent, and and it's a good call by Janeway to give her that that mission. And it's got a nice follow up later when she's trying to organise the. The, the children's schedules, and you know, we get the fun will now commence line. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it, and it's like, it, it's quite an exciting episode as well, I think. This episode, they, they try and cram in a lot of uh, like high stakes and, and mm, tension. Yeah. And you've got Harry Kim lost on the Borg cube somewhere, yeah, and you've got a sort of a, like a ticking clock element because the Borg, um, the, the, Borg jerk guy mm. wants the deflector, yes. doesn't he? And you've got kind of a hostage situation. And although I don't know if you ever really consider the Borg kids to be that much of a threat, 
I, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in this episode, um, and it's it's a it's a good Borg episode, I think. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I liked it. There's yeah. a nice. There's a nice. There's nice moments when um, Harry's ex- trying to sabotage the Borg cube, and Tuvok's kind of directing him round, and mm. he's he's referencing haunted house memory that he's got. I thought that is that's quite a good analogy because the Borg cubes are always super creepy anyway. And yeah. yeah. Borg drone corpse is littering the floor as well. It's super nasty creepy. Yeah. And then when he when he's discovered by Mazzati, yeah. she's super creepy there as well. Creepy. Yeah, she is the, yeah, horror child. Yeah, she yeah. does that very yeah. much so, yeah. yeah. I liked I liked Harry Harry's machismo uh with Janeway when uh Jamie, you know. Oh, he has a, he has a, a line. I could, what was it? I could do I could a do stretch with some in my exercise. legs. Yeah, yeah, for a walk. I could do it with exercise. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't. I didn't think does, at the time I'd be like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Actually, no, we haven't got any of those plasma charges. <laughs> I bet just stay here, wait to be rescued. I, I didn't quite buy um, Harry Kim's sort of action movie delivery of that line. <laughs> Harry. Are there any plasma charges aboard the flyer? Yes, ma'am. In that case, how do you feel about going for a little walk? I could use the exercise. I thought he didn't quite know. I wasn't like, ah, oh, he's a badass. I, I was just know. like, I think oh, he was nicely matter of fact about it. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're being mean. I am being a bit mean, aren't I? <laughs> I do. I, I don't mean. I, I do. I do think that at this point the Borg should still be. I don't know. Like I do think at this point the Borg is still. They've lost a bit of their menace, like yeah, yeah. It should yeah. be like at yeah. this point, the Borg should still be where you'd sort of hide from them, like yeah, because like, a lot of a lot of the power of of um, starship the stories on a starship is that they're similar to submarines, and mm. and, and I always I always think that it's great when a when a when a spaceship kind of goes. Dark. It's kind of like a, a submarine making itself least detectable, and mm. um, and I think Voyager could have done that with this. Like it could have just like it could have made itself as least detectable as possible, and and kind of hidden whilst a, a ball cube kind of drifted above it, fully armed and stuff. And it and it kind yeah, of had, it had that it had that good. kind of thing where it hit. they've done they've done that, haven't they? Well, of no. course they have, but I, I mean, Sorry. yeah, I, I, I fully appreciate it. about this is the, the kids weren't Borg enough. They mm. were just kids dressed as Borg. Do you know what I mean? Are they, I know they, yeah. were, they were talking about rejoining Collective and stuff. Maybe but that's why. They haven't, had their, but they haven't had like their Borg... Oh. Oh, I know. They're not fully mature Borg yet. Everybody, everybody turn to page two. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't know. There there weren't other enough, I think. Maybe that was sort of like, I don't know, maybe that was the acting or the... the... I I don't don't think think the acting was was fine. I think it was was a choice. They... Because I, th- I suppose they wanted you to care about them, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. They needed them to be a bit more emotional. Why did and and why that, did each have, why did each have go with kind of Bill Cosby esque jumpers? 
well, maybe that's that's this, his species clothes, and that's what he rem- That's maybe what they wore when he was before he was borgified. <laughs> I I think Star Trek does a pretty good job of in mm-hmm. of of encounters with children. I think it it takes a sci fi trope and does something interesting with it in terms of the episodes we discovered, anyway. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It tells some interesting stories, and uh, I think it's interesting that a lot of the time the children are a threat. Like in mm. Miri, uh, the, the children are a threat, and in the DS9 episode, um, yeah. the, the, the child is a threat, and in Voyager, Voyager in, in Rascals, I guess not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were. They were a threat to... Uh... They were a threat to the Ferengi. Indeed, well, yeah. yeah, four children can retake a ship that a, a, th- a crew of a thousand highly trained Starfleet personnel could not keep. Yeah, so that's the message, a, that, yeah. belies, that belies the problem with the Enterprise D is a is a bit of a soft touch. Hmm. Or maybe it's saying there should be more children on the Enterprise D to keep it safe. <laughs> if they put more children on in generations, they would the, 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 the Enterprise D would have survived. Yeah, four children could retake the chip. Five. Imagine what was, eight could five, do. There were five of them. Oh, there were five. Okay. Mm. You put on there a four adult put on show. Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> so the message here is: watch out for children because they're fucking dangerous. Yeah, that that it seems to be the Star Trek attitude, isn't it? <laughs> That's why yeah. the child hates them. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> knows how dangerous they are. He knows what they're up to. Watch the original series, so you knew. <laughs> cool. Um, well, I think we should. Uh, I think we should finish there. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Yeah. And, and thank remember, you. if you see a child, be careful. Run, run. just run. <laughs> just run away. Yeah, or bonk, bonk on the head. <laughs> anyway, bye. Do you realize how incredible this is? It's tradition. You ever noticed that bum? What? That bum. Oh no! I will say. I will say. Fewer things. Fewer things. Okay. Enough of this self-indulgence. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, our website is www.lowerdecksradio.co.uk. You can reach us on the Twitters at at 10 backward 10 being the number and backward being the word backward we're also on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash 10 backward podcast you can also email us at crew at lowerdexradio.co.uk on a personal individual level my twitter is at will turland rick everson's twitter is at trekfanrick and rick palmer's twitter is at Mr. Imhotep. Hi, thank you again for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, you might consider supporting us. We have now have a Patreon uh, where people can uh, pledge small amounts to fund our ongoing projects like uh, keeping our website up to date, uh, um, new audio equipment as we're going along, and potentially uh, opportunities to expand our content. Uh, you can go look at this at patreon.com forward slash lower decks radio uh, if you don't feel you can donate but would still like to support us we would love it if you could subscribe to us or however get your podcast through itunes stitcher google play or we're on various third party apps and if you could leave us a review on any of those that would be fantastic and would be very appreciative 
Thanks again for listening, and please tune in for more podcasts from the Ten Backward Crew. Let's make sure that history never forgets the name. Ten Backward? Laddie, don't you think you should rephrase that? Ten Backward. Ten Backward. He's not my friend. He's my enemy. And I now know that anyone who is not a Jemadar is my enemy. <laughs>